Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. Good. Oh, they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it off. In college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am your host, Kai McEwen, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Jim Root and Matt Cox. Every Wednesday morning, we'll be dropping a new BBOC episode, talking all things betting in the world of college hoops, leading up to conference play next month. On today's episode, we're going to discuss some key games of the week, both at the power and mid-major level, and give you some early takes before spreads come out. Fellas, let's dive in. I got cute little sections to go through with you guys. Most of all, Jim, holy shit, College Hoops is back. I'm excited. I'm just excited to talk lines. What do you think? Kai, how do you feel about there being 120 on the first day? I kind of, yeah. it feels like in Scarface where Tony Tony Montana just has the massive mountain of cocaine. It's like, I don't know if you need that much. Not even that much. That. Yeah, it's a bit overkill, Jim, I'll admit. And it's it's crazy, of course, for us behind the scenes with everything we do with college basketball. Matt, I would have preferred probably, I don't know, half this many games. Wednesday is going to be a weird reprieve. We're going to get, you know, 20 games max on that day. That'll feel like a nice little break for us. Yeah, it's almost torturous. I don't want to continue with Jim's drug analogy there, but, you know, more of like a slow, steady dose throughout the week, more of like a a waterboarding type of torture as opposed to just excessive level 11 pain right off the bat. But hey, we'll get through it. That's morphine drip. Yes, just slow, more organic, like a runner's high, like a natural runner's high spread over a long period of time. Well, let me paint the picture for the uh, audience at home here. We're going to do a few sections for this week, for this podcast. We're going to look at some live dogs of the week. So we're going to take you through a couple teams we think can win outright as underdogs, presumed underdogs. We're going to be referencing Ken Palm for our projected spreads here. Uh, second section, Blowout City. Teams we think are going to absolutely destroy the spread this week. Power Games of the Week. So we're looking at the Power Six conferences, highlighting the best contests of the week. A mid-major game of the week. A Claw Your Eyes Out game of the week. Basically, if you bet on these games, you don't really want to watch them on TV. It's not going to be good for your health, your vision. All that stuff. And especially if you don't bet on them, don't watch them. Right. If you don't even have a wagering interest, find 
another game, go to the movie theater, hang out with your family, your dog. Don't watch these games. Yeah, maybe get a nice little workout in, Jim. Stay healthy out there. And then finally, we'll spotlight something new on every podcast going into the week. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking some SWAC road schedules. So stay tuned for that. Get excited for it. Let's start with live dogs of the week, fellas. Have a couple games here picked out. I'm going to start with Jim here. South Dakota State at Alabama. The Jack Bunnies are one of our favorite mid-major teams. They're good every single year. They bring everyone back. This game with Alabama is on Friday. And Jim, you have admittedly been a Nate Oates stan over the last year or two. Do you think South Dakota State can pull the upset or cover the presumed 12-ish point spread? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of the entire planet, I'm in the top like 20 fans of Nate Oates. Like no one else has really rivaled me in, in the college basketball space, but I do fear for them a little bit here because South Dakota State is fantastic. Alabama's still rocking with some injury issues early in the year. Alex Chiku's not going to be ready off the bench. He's suspended for two games. They, they're really reliant on that backcourt, Matt. The three J's. I'm trying to come up with a good nickname for them. I, I you know the movie Edge of Tomorrow that there he's in J Squad. That's like out right now. No. Okay. Well, JD Davis, Javon Quinerly, Jaden Shackelford. They're, they're triple hooks, backer. triple J's. Now, now we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll workshop that. Some I'm, equivalent I'm with to you, the killer bees, but <laughs> J's doesn't really have uh, the smoking J's. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, this is going to play. It's going to play to a really high number. You know, Alabama with the pace they play at South Dakota State has no problem getting up and down. And you're right, Jim, that matchup up front is going to be key. Dougie Wilson, a.k.a. Dougie Fresh, as we call him here, had some injury issues last year, went healthy and at his best. He's a weapon for South Dakota State. And that's an avenue where they can exploit Alabama, I think. This is, we saw the Crimson Tide be emerging one of the most lockdown styming defenses last year. We would expect them to be toward the upper end of the, the that spectrum this season as well. But losing Herb Jones, I don't think they're going to be as devastatingly awesome on that end of the floor. South Dakota State moves the ball so well. It's a tough team to prepare for on short rest. I just don't see any team stopping any other team in this matchup. So I think the implied total is close to what high 160s. If I'm doing my back of the napkin math here, correct, Kai? A lot of points, though. A ton of points. I'm glad you mentioned Doug Wilson, the force inside for South Dakota State. Pay attention how how Louisiana Tech, how Kenneth Lofton in particular, does against Alabama Tuesday. So yesterday, for you folks listening out there, He'll be a good indication, a good litmus test for what you can expect Alabama's interior defense to look like. There might be an advantage there for the Jack Bunnies. I'm going to say there is an advantage there, Kai, because Great. Charles Bediaco, the center for Alabama, I have not been impressed with him. I don't think he's quite ready. He's the freshman top 40 fringe four-star, like almost a five-star prospect. I'm not sure he's going to come in and be like the shutdown paint defender. And if he's not, then you're turning to like Jawan Gary, who's a little smaller, or uh, Noah Gurley, the Furman transfer, who's also a little thinner, smaller. They could be in trouble in the paint in both of these first two matchups. I mean, props to Oates for what he's done with the schedule. I think he's already said on a couple of podcasts like John Rothstein's that he just regrets the insane gauntlet yeah. that he's given his team. It's going to be quite the test for them early. And, you know, I think Alabama will win, but you have to lean towards the Jack Bunnies on the spread. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at last year too, Kai. Jack Bunny's played West Virginia and Utah State and that MTE very close. And they dominate Utah State with one of the largest teams in college basketball last year. So they've already proven they can hang with you know the top end of power conference size and athletes. I don't think they'll be overwhelmed necessarily by Alabama here. So definitely a concern if you're looking to lay the points with the Crimson Tide, which I'm not, not in that camp. Yeah, TBD on that spread. Matt, I'm going to go right back to you for another game here. SMU at Oregon. Kim Palm projects this spread on Friday the 12th to be around six points. Now I think we all like Oregon. We know they're going to be good this year, especially in March early on though, they might struggle. And Tim Jankovic, the coach of SMU, Matt, 
he's fighting for his job this year. Literally, he is on the hot seat. SMU needs to show up this non-conference season this in the in, in the AAC as well. Do you think SMU has a fighting chance to beat the Ducks outright in Eugene? It's unfortunate. I love both these teams. And Jim and I have been on record. We've been riding the Pony Express for years. And as long as King Kendrick Davis is the conductor of said train, there will be very few times where you see me fade the Pony Express. However, traveling to the pit up in Oregon, notoriously strong home court there at the Ducks, notoriously tough system style to prepare for. Dana Altman can throw multiple types of defenses at you. Jim, Oregon's front line is where I have some slight concerns. Um, That's probably the only nitpick we have for them at this current moment in the season. They expect to get Nefali Dante back, hopefully at some point. But right now, they don't have that interior enforcer, at least none that's proven. But SMU is not really a team that's going to score. They're not going to bully you inside. So I I don't know if they can really exploit that. It's a tough spot for SMU. That's all I'll say. They can, maybe, if if, uh, Tristan Clark from Baylor if he is ready to rock, he's fully cleared medically. If he's just like actually what he was a couple of years back when he was leading the entire country in field goal percentage and dominating the paint on both ends of the court, then yeah, I think he could give them some serious problems in there. And guys, you mentioned Weathers. He's a physical beast. That's all he did for Duquesne. He was like, oh, I'm 6'5". No, I'm, I'm a power forward. I, I don't care what you think of me. I'm a brute inside. So they're going to need Quincy Garrier here. You're going to need Nate Brittle Biddle. The, the freshman coming in for Oregon and Frank Kepning, the, the big guy who enrolled midseason last year, he's going to have to show up for the Ducks. Uh, I think, I kind of think SMU is going to get this done. And that's coming from a guy who's very high on the Ducks. So I, I know we're at the end of the section and I'll pick one to actually happen. Might be the ponies for me. Yeah. And keep an eye, SMU has a lot of transfers. They might start as many as four transfers this year. Could see a bit of a, uh, some hiccups early on, but man, Kendrick Davis at the point of attack. We love that from uh, SMU. One more here, uh, Wofford at Clemson. Of course, you guys can choose your live dog outside of these three games. Just highlighting a couple for the fans out there. Palm has this one. Ken Palm, that is, Jim, has this about nine points. This game is happening Friday as well. Clemson Tigers a little down this year. Life without Amir Sims, their do-everything forward from last year, could be rough. They don't really overwhelm anymore with size, athleticism. That's good for a Wofford team that doesn't have a lot of that either. We know they can shoot. We know they're well-coached. Do you think Wofford can pull the upset against Clemson? Potentially. Uh, the the whispers out of Wofford's camp in their preseason were pretty glowing. Reportedly beat Belmont in a scrimmage. And Matt, who's Oof. the other team that they I'm beat? I'm blanking. I know. I, I, upgrade, I have like a plus 10 next to the rating just because like everything I read was like, oh my God, this team's not 2018 good, but certainly trending in that direction. Yeah. It, well, and you know, part of that probably involves some really hot shooting, but that's what you need if you're going to get like a giant killer performance from Wofford. And that team is fully capable of launching from three and knocking down from the perimeter, even without Storm Murphy. Kai, I think I'm going to go to a sort of tangentially related Wofford bet as my dog of the week, but I'll let Matt weigh in on this one first. No, I'm going to take Wofford money line. Clemson is Ooh. always under valued and disrespected by the market because the roster is like the anti-sexy. The nothing of no player on this team, this, this roster, is like, oh, yeah, like big fan of that guy. I mean, there's a solid players, but they're mostly gritty, grimy dudes who, you know, they make their pay on the defensive end. That's a Brad Brownell special. So there's not going to be like a, a calendar of monthly. Model no, this will Clemson's not be roster. featured. No, this game will not be featured on SI's next edition. So I think you can, you can safely assume that we'll still subscribe to that and it will still be a very um, aesthetically pleasing cover. This game will not be. Uh, the only thing I'll enjoy watching about this game is Wofford make shots, which I expect them to. The offense that they run, tough to prepare for. Clemson always fantastic defensively. I think the spread will be around seven, and I think that's going to be pretty good money line value for the Terriers, Kai. And as we know, God loves a Terrier. 
God Loves a Terrier, best in show. Shout out to that amazing movie. Matthew, is Wofford your live dog of the week? It is. My live dog of the week is the Jackrabbits from South Dakota State Gym. I love those guys. You know I do. I'm going to pick them all year long. Get used to it. I just don't like that you said Jackrabbits. Stick to your guns. Yeah, Jack Bunnies. The Jack Bunnies, yeah. It's a proper name. All right, guys. I said I'm going tangentially related to Wofford, their old coach, Mike Young at Virginia Tech. On Friday, going on the road to Navy, playing at Annapolis. Mm-mm. I think the, the the midshipmen can get this done. They do lose their their best player, their point guard from last season, but they're just really well coached. The, the defense yeah. is solid. They're going to turn that game into kind of a gross slog. Virginia Tech's more than willing to play in the half court as well. I, I think that one's going to come down to the end. And Navy has kind of been the bane of our existence the past couple of years covered games against us and you know what it's time for me to get on the board with the sea troops the ocean troops i'm in on navy this week i'm just glad that we're finally coming around on navy it's been i don't I know, know if there's a team that's that's pillaged our bank accounts harder than navy the last two seasons and like not just consistently but in in the most soul crushing fashion yes. yeah <laughs> i i will um i will not take that bet but i appreciate you you saying it Navy's a bitch to play against. What a schedule, by the way. Virginia, Virginia Tech in the same week for them. That's brutal. Kudos to Mike Young for scheduling that game at Navy. Good for him. I just think they're going to be a little bit down this year. Yeah, not for me. All right, next section, blowout city, guys. These are favorites that are going to decimate their opponents. And I'm starting with Seton Hall. Seton Hall is hosting Fairleigh Dickinson today, Wednesday, November 10th. It's not going to be close. Fairleigh Dickinson has not allowed less than 1.1 points per possession in a season under Greg Corinda. And it's been like a decade. They suck. Their defense is going to blow Jim. Seton Hall is going to score it well. It's it's a bummer because I like I don't think they're going to be as bad as some people are playing them up to be, but it, there's no defense for their defense, ah. to, to put it cutely. Uh, they're never good. They're just never good on that end. And they don't really have the pieces to be better this season. And that's a problem against Seton Hall, whose question marks are on the offensive end. But if you can't stop them, it doesn't matter. And I think Fairleigh Dickinson's going to have a tough time scoring, Matt, because as we we know, we love the length the Seton Hall team has. Yeah, all the lovable players for Fairleigh Dickinson have, have gone. You know, Jill Jenkins, Eliza Williams. It's basically a bunch of freshmen and sophomores at this point. And Horrendo is very adamant in all the offseason press clinics. Like, it's going to take time. Like, please lower your expectations up front. And this just screams like uh, we're going to walk out there, sort of trial and air some stuff, get our feet underneath us, and Seton Hall just wallops by 40. So I think Seton Hall is is a very safe, large favorite here. This will be my blowout team of the week, Seton Hall. Marking it down. Pirates are... Matthew, your alma mater, Indiana, is hosting Northern Illinois. And Northern Illinois is going through a coaching change. Burno comes in from Arizona State, from Bobby Hurley's staff. There's some turnover on this roster. Doesn't look very good. And... We said, I believe, last week in our, our futures preview, Indiana's a team we're looking at to exceed expectations. Uh, what do you like there in terms of Indiana being able to blow out Northern Illinois? Here's what I don't like from Northern Illinois' perspective. They're coming from Washington. They're going to be playing at Washington Tuesday. So yesterday, we listened to this on Wednesday. So you have to go from middle of America out west, a game that I think we see them being shelled, and then they had to come back to the Midwest and play Indiana, who will also have a game under their belt, under a new coach with a ton of talent. You'll see Indiana, I think, play very well as a favorite after they get a game or two underneath them. So this is sort of that ripe spot to hit the Hoosiers with that really deep roster that they have. It's going to be hard for them to take their foot off the gas with a, with a bench that should go five, six deep after their top five. Like Tamar Bates is the only notable injury there. So the Hoosiers could put the hurt on the Huskies, Shem. And it's just a talent-depleted roster. There's nothing exciting about 
NIU in any regard. And it's especially depressing when you look at this basketball roster. And they, they want to run. Berno wants to run under uh, as, as a former Hurley guy, which sets up for getting destroyed. Uh, there was a Berno quote. I forget where I read it about the Mac where he was like, yeah, hopefully we can get into that top eight and make the postseason tournament. It's like, ooh, those are <laughs> low dreams. Yep. That, that tells you where that program is at right now. Really reaching for the stars in that one. Uh, finally, Colorado State is a team that's getting a lot of hype this preseason. Could be a top 20 team. Nico Medved is a favorite of ours, the coach for Colorado State. They're hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff. And Jim, I think Arkansas Pine Bluff might be a bottom five team in the country this year. This could get ugly. I resent you not calling them by their proper name, Arkansas, Arkansas peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yes. yes. This is PB and J Arkansas peanut butter. Uh, yeah. They're going to be bad. Does, I, I kind of want to save, I'm going to holster my discussion of this for the SWAC schedule exploration because peanut butter is on a bit of a journey, Matthew. And I, while I agree with Kai, they are not my pick for blowout of the week. Yeah. So just for context, peanut butter is now coached by former Odell Roberts assistant, Solomon Bozeman, I believe young, I think mid to low thirties, one of the many up and coming presumed stars in the coaching ranks. We haven't seen him do anything yet though. And he was very adamant about this is a long-term project. They're ditching the zone that they played the last couple of years, which made them kind of a fun feisty dog. We saw them beat Iowa state, give a a few other (laughs) mid high majors, competitive bouts. This is not a team that's going to play well as an underdog. Again, it's similar to the, uh, the Northern Illinois situation. It's new coach, talented pleated roster, wholesale style change that will play terribly as an underdog, especially in this kind of early get feet wet, tinker with stuff part of the season. All these swag teams take these games like exhibitions. And I think this is another example here. So who is your blowout team of the week, Matthew? I have Indiana. I think that you, Kai, you astutely pointed out two of my favorite bets going forward. So yes, I will stay on the board for my first two sections here. I have another off the beaten path to selection for these later sections. Though. I'm going off board. I am taking Temple, even though it will be their Ooh. first game of the year. They're playing Maryland Eastern Shore on the second game of a back-to-back. The Eastern Shore is playing twice in a row in Philly at St. Joe's yesterday. They were at St. Joe's, and I presume they got killed. And they're playing <laughs> Temple today. Again, we're recording this Tuesday, so I don't, I, I can't see the future. But I think they're going to just get shelled second day in a row. Temple has a really big and athletic backcourt. They can get to the rim. Eastern Shore, not going to play much defense, if any. And their offense might be the worst in the entire country. So, Kai, yeah. I'm going with Temple. Uh, Eastern Shore is projected to not be favored in any game this season. They're going to be a favorite of ours to fade all year long. So stay tuned for that. I reset mine, Seton Hall. Pirates go Seton Hall. All right, section three. Here we go. Power game of the week. These are the big boys. These are the teams and the games you're going to want to watch. Prime time. Let's set it up here. Villanova at UCLA on Friday. Heavyweight battle. The Weave gets to put their money where their mouth is on this one, because guys, we've kind of talked down UCLA a little bit. We've talked them off the ledge. People think they're a top three team, top five team. We think they're a little worse than that, but still very, very good. And Villanova met a team we ranked very highly in the off season, a team that's extremely well coached. Personally, I think Jay Wright wins his coaching battle. And I just love the idea of Villanova as a dog against anybody. Right. Yeah, Jimmy mentioned this yesterday. It reminds me of the situation when they went into Texas, where just anytime you're catching Villanova as an underdog, it's probably a good wager. They're getting, I think, a fair amount of hype this year, but they're not crowned as like one of the perennial clear-cut frontrunners like we've seen them in years past. The roster has some holes, mostly up front, an area where UCLA can exploit, but this is not a typical Mick Cronin team like you had in Cincinnati. They have size up front and they can play inside out, but this is not an overwhelming send five, six, you know, seven, five wingspan guys to the glass. 
it's more balanced. It's more skill-based. Cronin has recruited more talent. So he's adapting to that. And I think that actually helps Nova. I think it's more of a, just a general type of inside out basketball game. And I think Villanova, you're right. Kind of coaching advantage will shine in that type of matchup. Yeah. Here's, here's how I'll frame it. I want to bet Villanova. I don't know that the market's going to give me what I want here. I, Ken Palm's only got this at four because he's a little lower on UCLA. Bart Torvik is higher. And if we get the spread that Bart Torvik is offering, like I, I believe six or seven, then I'm in, but I only make this around three. So I'm not ready to go to war at four as much as I love Jay Wright as an underdog and a game planner going across the country here, but it's going to depend on number for me, Kai. Yeah, go real quick here. I have them basically rated the same Nova, maybe a smidge above UCLA. So it comes down to for how much you value home court. Nova's going to play on Tuesday. They have three days to go east to west coast. But the first time any team does that, especially the college kids, the, the time zone change tends to be more impactful. So, you know, Pauly Pavilion, a home court we have made fun of. Yeah, definitely right. one of the wine and cheese crowd venues with yeah. the Ding Dome, the Ding Dong, as I like to call it. But it's still, it's an east to west coast travel. It's going to be tough for uh, the wild kids to get up. Yeah. Bartorvik has this at eight. Please give me Ooh, eight that's makers. Please, I'm begging you. They're not anymore, Jim, because you said it. All right, how about San Diego State, BYU? Not technically two power conference teams here, but a matchup nonetheless that we're excited for. We think BYU is a top 25 team this season. Heck, we think San Diego State might be a top 25 team as well. There's going to be fireworks. It's going to be a lot of fun. BYU center Richard Harward might be out for this game. I believe he's missing game one this week. I like this team a lot. I have a feeling they're going to, the spread's going to be low or in favor of San Diego State. And that's going to probably push me towards the Cougars. Yeah. So last year, these two teams played and BYU won by 10 at BYU, which feels a little out of character for San Diego State. They They don't lose many games by double digits. It's just a feisty defensive squad. I'm probably leaning towards the dog here, Matthew. I just really like both of these teams, though. Yeah, so I imagine I'll be high on both and will be roughly even to the market because of that. Yeah, I believe San Diego State was favored by seven or so, or eight last year. And we were all on BYU in that game. Uh, San Diego State, like you mentioned, always very good at home. But that was last season, COVID, no fans. The typical Viejas edge was in large part mitigated. It sucks with how the schedule works out. Now they have to go to BYU, Marriott Center, top five, top 10 home court edge in the entire country. Yeah, this spread should be, I've got to think it's going to be anywhere from five to seven, maybe not that high. Depends on where people have BYU. You think it's lower than that? Like three? Kim Palm has it three. Okay. I think it should be closer to in that five to seven range. I will be on the Storm and Mormons here. Uh, San Diego State has sort of that DNA they've always had, you know, tenacious, sound, defensive-minded, long, but BYU just runs such good stuff and they have length. And I think this year, a slightly more athletic squad than they've had in years past. I don't think it's going to five or seven at all. You think it's going to be five or seven? I think it's five. No chance. No. Seven's probably too high. I think most people have San Diego State above BYU. But I would agree with that. We move on to arguably the the game of the year. Game of the week. Definitely game of the week. And that's saying something with Champions Classic. Texas at Gonzaga, man. This game's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Kim Palm has this spread at 11 points, which is not going to happen. Very unrealistic. Jim, Matt, I believe we think this spread's going to be closer to six or seven. And Matt, I would say that even feels high. Give me Texas as a dog here. And this is a guy in Kai, me, who thinks Gonzaga is a tier above pretty much everyone else this season. I just think Texas is that talented. On paper, they could be the best team in the country. I have no interest in taking a side here. I'm going to be a lame fence rider. I apologize. Just a lot of unknowns for both sides. I'm actually looking at a total play here. I, I like the under. I think this comes out a little bit slower paced. Wow. Than what we saw Gonzaga really? play last season. I think they really want to establish their inside game. And I think Beer wants to muck it up. 
he is, from what I can tell, not fully in love with how his offense is shaking out. I think it will take time for that to come full circle. He will sort of park the bus, hunker down. No way. Build the moat. And I think we see a kind of a sloppy, uglier, low-scoring game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm against you there, Matt. Kai, I think okay. you and I both agree. I, I think this, this trend's more over to where Texas will willingly run. It's early in the year. I think if this game were in January, I agree that we might see a slog. But last year, Gonzaga had that 102 to 90 game with Kansas early on. And that was when Kansas didn't really even have a point guard. I think this could play like that. It's not a neutral floor like that game was, but I think Gonzaga could start to flirt with the 90s and Texas is good enough to score with them. The offensive talent is there. Yes, maybe the continuity and figuring out the scheme isn't quite there yet, but I just think there's enough offensive talent on the floor for both teams and the pace will be there, Kai, that I would lean more towards over. I just don't think Beard will park the bus with the talent he has in this roster. You could face any team and, and you could say Texas is the better team on paper. I, I think there's no advantage to him to try to park the bus against the Gonzaga team that's definitely good, but a team that Beard in his head probably can argue they're better than. So I, I see him playing a ton of guys playing faster than they did at Texas Tech, you know, still having the pack line principles. And that could actually affect Gonzaga too, Matthew, with the way yeah, they can't Gonzaga's, shoot. They lost a lot of shooting from last yeah. year too, right? That's a point for your under. I'll give you that one. Thank you. I'll um, take it. But I do think there's going to be a lot of possessions in this game. So I, I probably lean towards the over again. We, we have no idea what the total is going to be. Uh, I prefer just to watch this game because I think it's going to be awesome. So guys, power game of the week. I'm taking Villanova as a dog, most likely here. Spread dependent. Jim, any any insights there on the three games you talked about? Do you want to do a pick, pres- no, a presumptuous I'm, pick? For I don't any have other anything game? here. I'm not forcing it on these games. I, I'm going to sit back with my feet up and enjoy them. I am not going to recommend anything because I don't feel strongly about any of them without uh, knowing why. I mean, like I said, if you get Villanova above five, five and above, I'll probably take it. Matthew? Under. Anything under 150. I think Palm has a 154. 150 or lower. Under. All right. Moving on, mid-major game of the week. We've got one game for you guys. I'll let Matt and Jim jump in here, too, if they want to talk about any others. But it's Vermont at Northern Iowa for me, man. This game's going to be great. Uh, I'm not sure what television station it's on. I hope it's on some network, at least ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully, uh, Vermont, perennial favorite in the America East. Northern Iowa getting A.J. Green, their best player, back from injury last year. Matt, apparently he's benching like 600 pounds. He's jumping yep. out of the gym. He's a, he's like He took the Captain America serum, we'll say. Ken Palm has this Northern Iowa minus three. This game's on Thursday, by the way. That's a pretty good line, in my opinion. Again, this is this might be a game you just want to sit back and watch. Yeah, this is a sit back. This is a nothing for me. I'm just looking to be a spectator. No hard, strong reads on the matchup. Um, in Northern Iowa, I just think we'll find out who they are pretty quickly. You know, is AJ Green the superhuman alien that he's been reported to now be post-surgery, post-recovery. I mean, he had like two bad hips last season. It wasn't just one that he had to get repaired. He actually had to like have surgery and, and rehab both hips. Kind of sounds like an old man syndrome. Doesn't exude confidence that he'll be at 110% like the version we saw in 2020. I don't know, Jim, where do you stand with this one? Uh, I If it's three and AJ Green looks healthy on Tuesday, on Tuesday I'll be right. in Iowa. That, I, I think they're just a, a higher ceiling team than this Vermont squad without Steph Smith in the backcourt. I mean, We've said it on a couple of places, but Northern Iowa was a top 50 team last time AJ Green yeah. was featured in the offense and they still have Austin Fife from that squad. Pretty solid wing collection. I, I just think three is going to end up being too low if we see a healthy AJ Green on Tuesday. Northern Iowa was 16 and 0 at home two years ago with AJ Green in the, in the lineup. ATS, they're very good that year. They're 19 and 9 overall ATS. So probably a good bet there, Jim. I also lean towards the Panthers here. Vermont going to be an excellent team. Might have lost a step without Steph Smith, though, graduating. Just a fun one to watch, guys, on Thursday. Next section, a fun section, I think. The Claw Your Eyes Out game of the week. 
name pending. We can change this name, Jim. I'm not married to it. The, the bleeding eyes. <laughs> the, the bleeding eyes. Stab you yourself your off, in the, the face. Yeah. yeah. Bethune Cookman at Middle Tennessee. And we're not going to pick on the SWAC teams every single time here, but Bethune Cookman is a special team this year because they did not play a single game last season. Due to COVID, they opted out of the season. And secondly, they lost their coach, Ryan Ritter, fantastic basketball mind. He's now at UT Martin, and they filled his spot with Reggie Theus, a coach that I'm not sure we have a whole lot of respect for. Uh, and they're playing Middle Tennessee, Jim, a team that fan forums of Middle Tennessee will tell you is probably their worst team in however many years. Yeah, there's watching there was, this game. No, I won't. I won't touch the. I won't touch it at all. There was almost no bleaker fan forum that I looked at. Like usually, <laughs> if you pick a team last in a conference, the people be like, "How dare they? We're gonna be better." For Conference USA, pick Middle Tennessee last. It was like, yeah, I mean, sure, that's where we belong, of course. Um, <laughs> and, and to your point about Bethune Cookman picking Theus, they picked him after an interim coach assembled a roster for his own style. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, we're, we're not going to see a great mash of player versus style. Gross. Don't watch. Yeah. Dominic Taylor, the interim coach recruits the whole team. The school decides to not hire him after that whole thing. And then they throw him to the curb and then they hire Theus who has to put together a cobbled roster in basically one month. They've had no time to practice or prepare Middle Tennessee is bad, but I think they destroy Bethune here. Yeah. I can't believe I'm going to lay points with Middle Tennessee ever this season, but mm-hmm. this is the spot to do it. You're going to have to lay double digits too, which... Yeah, like a lot of points because Bethune is, I think, that bad. Right. I think they are that bad. It's Middle Tennessee or nothing if you're going to bet this game because if you're a degenerate out there and you have to bet this game, probably Blue Raiders for me. Uh, moving on, the Ryan Bull. Will Ryan, head coach of Green Bay. He is Bo Ryan's son. They're playing Wisconsin, a school that Jim grew up Liking this game Jim is, is from disgusting. Jim is from Wisconsin. Jim, why is it disgusting? Because well, ne- neither team is going to play with any sort of urgency to get up and down the floor unless we see a drastic stylistic shift from Wisconsin. And I think Green Bay is going to play even slower than last year because they don't have three dynamic wing creator guard creators, and that's just going to revert more and more towards the Bo Ryan style of ball. It's just what Will Ryan is known his whole life. He's more comfortable with. It's going to be like a sixty-four to. 49 final or something some sort of suffocation that we just don't need to see yeah uh, you know, i'll go a step farther it, they're gonna slow it down because they have to they don't have any talent i mean like the the most hyped lauded player that any green bay preview talked about in the offseason was the return of lucas stiber stiber who is basically a glorified walk-on glue guy garbage band he's like the awesome returner they have back they have a couple other starters who are decent uh, and song inside is and song the guy that followed ryan from wheeling like he's from a wheeling two player and those yeah. are their go-to guys. They got a uh, Matt or Mitch Litz out from Belmont and one other JUCO dude. It's a bleak roster. This Wisconsin roster is certainly isn't going to look nothing like the 2018 Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky squad. Oh, 15, by, I mean, 15, 15, 2015. Sorry, I'm three years off here. Um, <laughs> yikes. This is going to be a, right. The pace will keep it relatively will prevent like a 20 point blowout. But I think Wisconsin wins the high teens feels like where the number probably ends up here. Maybe higher than that. Uh, last year, these two teams played. Wisconsin won by 40, and the total points was 124, 66 possessions. I don't think Wisconsin's going to score 82, but I think it's very possible Green Bay scores 42. So Kim Palm's projected total here is right around 133. Jim, I'm feeling under if you're going to bet this uh, yeah, game. I'm, yeah, definitely. This is a bet the under, do not watch. Yeah, there you go. This section, basically what the section is made for. Uh, finally, one more game here, New Mexico at Colorado. This might seem a little bit of a weird choice, but I'm going to explain myself real quick, Matt, before I toss it to you here. 
New Mexico had a brutal year last season. COVID riddled their team. Injuries, it was very, very bad. The team was totally checked out. They bring in Richard Patino, a guy more known for defense than his offense. Uh, New Mexico is still kind of putting together the pieces. I think their offense is going to be very ugly to start the year. And Colorado is a team missing McKinley Wright, who graduated last uh, this, this offseason. So they are lacking a point guard. I think their offense is going to be brutal right away. And they play boil ball, Matthew. Style of basketball nobody wants to watch, even when Colorado is good. So do you lean any way in this game? Do you want to watch this game? This is on Saturday the 13th, by the way. I thought I hated Colorado this year. I'm looking at the opener. Colorado's hosting Montana State. The line opened minus 16. It's now down to minus 12. So people really hate the Buffs, and I thought I hated the Buffs. So I guess if you're going to bet Colorado, feel free to wait as long as you want because you're on an island by yourself. But you're catching New Mexico, who is down two starters, presumably. Uh, Saquon Singleton and uh, Valdir Manuel are supposed to be out for this game. Well, I'm not sure of their timetables. New Mexico was a disaster last year. They brought in some intriguing transfers. It will not be nearly like the wave the white flag, Pat C. doormat that we saw last season, but it will still be a bad basketball team. Um, no inter 